So namaskars to you all. So today uh, we are going to have a discussion on the topic Sri Ramakrishna as Guru. So yesterday we had our Guru Purnima celebration. It was in the evening. We had our special worship. And today we kept the instead of our regular Sunday class, we kept this slot for the discussion on the topic Sri Ramakrishna as Guru. Just as a part of our Guru Purnima celebration. So now the Guru power was manifested to its highest degree in Sri Ramakrishna. We will find that to the highest degree, the Guru power was manifested in Sri Ramakrishna. Now the question comes, what do we mean when we say that the Guru power was manifested to the highest degree in Ramakrishna? Well, in the Yoga Sutras, it is mentioned, Sah Purvesham Api Guruhu Kalena Anavachedat. So it's actually a sutra which is dedicated, which is implied to define one of the characteristics of God, of Ishwara. That who is Ishwara? He is the one who is the Guru of all ancient Gurus. Because he is not subject to time. Through eternity, even in the various cycles, he is the Guru. And it is a God who incarnates on earth from time to time to guide the humankind in the path of spiritual emancipation. So we find in the Indian tradition, we held our Gurus to be the representation of that ultimate reality of Ishwara. So that's why the chant Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Reva Maheshwara, Guru Shakshat Parabrahma Tasmaisri, Gurave Namaha. So for us, Ramakrishna is a representation of that absolute reality of Ishwara, who, has, who incarnates on this earth to guide the humankind in the path of spiritual emancipation. So what we will find in the life of Ramakrishna, it's not that, that he was conscious in his role as a guru. Actually, it's just the contrary. When someone used to address him as guru or as Baba, immediately he used to oppose by saying that I am the just insignificant person. I just cannot bear anyone calling me Baba, Guru and all those terms. But we will find that the characteristics of Guru was something spontaneous in his life. And that's what Gurus are meant to be. They lead a life, as Shankaracharya has very nicely mentioned in Viveka Chodamani, that they are like the uh, spring season. The spring doesn't know, by it, but that is, that it's the nature of the spring season. The spring doesn't consciously know that it enlivens the earth. It brings as if life to the entire earth. After the winter, when then we find the new sprouts coming, the new leaves coming, the flowers coming, the entire life has been enlivened by the spring. The spring doesn't know it. It is just the spontaneous nature of the spring to enliven the life. And that's what the real guru is. They are just spontaneous, like the spring. That's how nicely Shankaracharya describes the guru in Viveka Churamani. So their, the purpose of their life is, as has been spoken of in the scriptures, yasmat bandha vimokshanam. To just liberate us, to render us free. That freedom means spiritual freedom. That though we may be in the world, in this physical body, but we transcend all the dualities of life by being established in the spiritual dimension of our existence. And that's what is the role played by the Guru by awakening the spiritual dimension in us. They come down to help mankind spontaneously. They help, their life is such. Just the way when the flower blooms, the bees come. Sri Ramakrishna used to always say that you need not have to invite the bees. 
You did not have to give them a map to show where the flower is. The bees automatically comes. So the, when we find in the life of Ramakrishna also, that after his sadhana, when the his spirituality bloomed through his life, it was something palpable. And we find that all the disciples are thronging. There was a just as like a trekking from Calcutta to Dakshineshwar of a huge uh, number of these people. So in the life of Sri Ramakrishna, we will find that there are two parts. It can be divided into two parts. First is the sadhaka. He is a spiritual practitioner for 12 years. And that practice is something very unique. His own psychophysical existence is as if the laboratory in which he's experimenting with the religion. So he's a, as an experimenter, we find for the first 12 years of his sadhana, as a sadhaka. And in the second half, we find him as a guru or the teacher of the humanity. Now, as a sadhaka, we will find that he was intensely absorbed in the search of the divine. At that time, we find he never liked the company of the people. He was quite busy with himself. He was almost thought to be mad because he couldn't in any way relate to the so-called worldly way of existence. He was dancing in some other rhythm, the rhythm which we cannot hear. Sometimes it is told very nicely that in a place where all were dancing, someone found that, that all of them found that one of them was dancing out of rhythm. All were dancing in a rhythm. One of them was dancing out of rhythm. So many started pointing, see, he's dancing out of rhythm. Most probably he doesn't know how to dance. He's not like us. He doesn't know. He doesn't know to be in the rhythm. And then someone who was a wise one commented, most probably he's dancing in some other rhythm, which we don't hear. And Ramakrishna appeared to be mad because he was dancing in another rhythm, which we don't hear. And for 12 years, we find that he was so intensely absorbed in God. The world was totally something, the world became oblivious in his existence. He was totally oblivious of the world. He was absorbed in God and in experimenting with the various spiritual paths. That's a wonderful thing which we find in the Rama, life of Ramakrishna. That as Ramidana Tagore in two, in two lines have indicated, in few lines have indicated, that we say Ramakrishna is Avatara Varishtha. Swami Vivekananda in that Pranama Mantra, he has mentioned what, what he's writing, Avatara Varishtha, as if he is the greatest among all the avatars. It's not just mere from Guru Bhakti or from just exuberance of the devotion. Uh, Swami Vivekananda has indicated him as Avatara Varishtha. It is just because of this fact. You will not find in the entire spiritual history a single spiritual aspirant in 12 years traversing through the entire spiritual journey. He was an extra, he had a tremendous. Uh, this uh, sense of expedition, ex uh, this he's just going for an adventure. In a very short time, he's traversing through the spiritual journey, which the entire humanity has traversed for thousands of years. And that's what speaks of his highly evolved spiritual personality. You know, in even in biology, we speak of recapitulation theory. What is it that? What is it? that when the Darwin's theory of evolution was still under a lot of scrutiny, whether it is correct or not, then this theory of recapitulation came to substantiate it, to prove that yes, something which Darwin is proposing that evolution has happened, it really happened. How can we understand? There are various marks of it, signs of it in this existence. And the theory of recapitulation uh, it says a wonderful thing. It studies the embryology. When the child is growing up in the mother's embryo, if you see, it will say a wonderful thing. It starts 
from a single cellular organism. It starts from just a single cell. It starts growing. And in this just, uh, the, the baby will be born in 10 months, 10, uh, 10 days time. But in nine months in mother's womb, the human child has fully formed in nine months. It will stay for some more time in the uh, mother's womb, but in nine months, it has fully formed. And if you study that nine months, a wonderful thing you will see that in the mother's womb, we were all as an embryo in the embryo, as if we were some, sometimes like a fish, our lungs were yet to grow. We had fins. Our heart was two chambered. It became three chambered. It became at last four chambered in the embryo. In nine months, it's happening. We had till the coccyx was grown. That has fallen off before we took birth. There are all the, the, the in the entire process of evolution, the way through which all the animals has traversed. It has been traversed just in nine months by all of us in the mother's womb. And this is the what is the recapitulation theory speaks of that ontogeny repeats phylogeny. Phylogeny, phylogeny means the predecessors. Ontogeny, the successors, they follow each and every step of the predecessors. And it happened only in nine months. What's the wonder that why we the human, as a human, we are the most evolved creature as, in the, as, as per the biological sense is concerned? Because what took nature millions of years? In the nature, what took millions of years to evolve from a single cellular organism to human being? It took millions of years. In the mother's womb, it happened just in nine months. It's just like the booting up of the computer. When I own the computer, oh, it's not just like owning this uh, bulb. When you switch on the bulb, it immediately glows. It's on. In one uh, flash of time, it's on. But the computer, what happens, it, will take, it takes time, a little time to get on. The moment you switch on the computer, it actually starts booting up all the softwares, all the programmings that are there inside it. They are, one kicks the other, the other kicks the other. And all the entire thing is now, all the thing systems are now active in the background. And then you find the computer is on. Similarly, all the process of evolution, sequence of evolution that went on biologically for millions of years is as if booted up in nine months. So that in nine months, we take the form of a human. We are as if a human in the mother's womb. So in the Ramakrishna's life, we will find that in 12 years, he's traversing the entire spiritual journey. And that's why we call him Avatar Avarishta. Is a highly evolved soul because of the tremendous aspiration. Why he did that? Because it was needed for this age. Even now we realize Ramakrishna, after the passing away of Ramakrishna, now it's more than 150 years, it's 175 years. Still we find that one of the biggest challenge of the humanity is the apathy the hatred among various faiths, all the violence, hatred going on in the name of religion. What Ramakrishna came to preach to the humankind is yet to be realized. And the life of Ramakrishna is needed. That's why Swami Vivekananda when forming the Ramakrishna order, he told two very interesting things. He told when the thought of forming an order in the name of Ramakrishna came to my mind, First, I was very much discouraged. First, I thought I shouldn't go for it. The reason he gave is very interesting. What he told is very interesting. He told that all the organizations in the name of religion are very low efficiency engine. Why they are so low efficiency engine? Because they take a lot of fuel, but the output is very less. Huge infrastructure, big church, big buildings. At last, how much they're giving to the society? Swami Vivekananda in his time started feeling that, that how much resource goes to it just to maintain that. But at last, what the output it is giving is very less. So he, at the very first thought, he thought no organization. The second thought came, 
What's the second thought? But no, in the name of Ramakrishna, organization is needed. He never denied the fact that organization means a low efficiency engine. It takes a lot, most probably gives a little. But he felt that the ideas of Ramakrishna won't survive unless an organization in his name is there. And you may say, why that organization should survive? Not now. The timeline he has mentioned is something very interesting. But the violence and everything which we are finding in the name of religion, it's quite obvious if we take the words of Swami Vivekananda, it will take 1200 years to realize that what this man has done, this, all these avatars, the spiritually evolved souls, live a life which is much, much ahead of time, much, much ahead of time. So it will, the world will realize it's this, the importance of this idea. It has to go through a lot of some very, very uh, un, what's it, unpleasurable experiences. All these violence, turmoils, it has to go through. But at last it has to realize that what he's telling and that what he's telling is not just mere a, a doctrine or dogma or some academic knowledge. It came out from the laboratory of his own psychophysical existence. He realized through his sadhana that all the religions lead to the same goal. So, Jotomot, Totopot. So, for 12 years, we find he's absorbed in God, in experimenting with the various spiritual paths in the Hindu religion as well as other religions. And that kept him away from the company of others. Now we find he was totally aloof. No one knew what's going on. Something just what's going on in the mother's womb, we don't know. But that's the thing that a tremendous evolution is happening. And that's the thing in the nature's womb, Ramakrishna's spiritual uh, evolution was blooming up. And it took just 12 years. And we find that in Hindu religion, broadly classified, there are two margas, the Jnana marga and the Bhakti marga. These are the two paths, the path of knowledge and the path of devotion. We find Ramakrishna first starting his spiritual journey with the Bhakti marga, the various Bhakti margas in which he was practicing till the perfection was reached and it included Christianity and Islam. We find he's practicing all the religions, all the various faiths of Hinduism, of the Bhakti faiths, as well as the Christianity and the Islam, which we can also include as a part of the dualistic religion. And then we find he is not satisfied with that. He wants to still move farther. And very interesting, in his life we will find that as that quest, tremendous quest for the spiritual truth was there, he need not have to go in search for the gurus. The gurus came. Whenever the quest was there, the gurus came to him. And it's the Totapuri who came to initiate him, him in the path of the Jnana Marga, in the path of Advaita. Now this God is worshipped in two forms. One is the Saguna and another is the Nirguna. What is the Saguna aspect? That all the religions... Uh, dualistic religions believes that God may have form, may not have form. Like all the Abrahamic religions doesn't believe in God having form. But at the same time, they believe God having qualities. That he is compassionate. He is the one who is the creator. So all these ideas, this uh, all the qualities, they believe that God has qualities. But then in uh, Hindu religion, God, uh, whether with form or without with form, as long as he has those qualities, he is a Saguna Ishwara. All the Bhakti Margas are related to that Saguna Ishwara. But we will find in the Hinduism, in the Hindu religion, it even went beyond that to say that ultimately God is Nirguna. It's beyond all the so-called uh, attributes he is not to be limited by those attributes. He's beyond that. We are not going, today there is the, the scope is not there to discuss on those lines. Just to say, that to give an indication that the impersonal aspect of the divinity we find is something 
uh, in hinduism is being uh, considered as the gyana marga and ramakrishna got initiated by totapuri in those lines and we find that he is through spiritual journey that even took this gyana marga to get established in the nirvikalpa samadhi and it's ramakrishna we will say that one he is one of the first and foremost spiritual teacher who could wonderfully synthesize between the saguna and the nirguna aspect of the divine in his simple words he used to say when much later as a preacher we much later as a guru we find him in dakshineshwar in the very first meeting in the gospel of sri ramakrishna in the second meeting we find when the master is asking can god be both saguna and nirguna the one who is having attributes can be with attributeless how is it possible and ramakrishna just replied for the first uh, that for the first day he never went into the discussion he told for him everything is possible don't limit uh, the divinity by your limited understanding and much later we will find that he is giving so many nice examples that one of the example he used to give that nirguna brahman is like ocean, this shoreless ocean water with the devotion with the coolness of devotion the eyes this water melts take the form of eyes takes the form and you can worship ishwara in, in that form also but actually he is beyond all the attributes so with simple examples he is explaining and what is interesting the one who are the wish, uh, believers in the saguna aspect never are terrified they never think of the nirguna aspect they will immediately revolt against that idea we find that the intense quests for the spirituality of ramakrishna never stopped him anywhere from saguna he went to the practice of the nirguna he completed his spiritual journey in the gyana marga sadhana by attaining the nirvikalpa samadhi and when we will find a very interesting thing that taking his mind he took his mind beyond the world of relati- uh, this relativity and he was there in for 6 months we find that in our scriptures it is mentioned that once you enter into that state of nirvikalpa samadhi in 21 days your body will fall off because you become totally oblivious of this phenomenal existence of your own body you are absorbed in that nirguna aspect of the divine but we find sri ramakrishna was there in that state for 6 months it was most probably the divine dispensation because we find at that time suddenly from nowhere a wandering monk came who stayed in dakshineshwar for that 6 months somehow whenever the mind of ramakrishna was coming down a bit he was not in a state to have his own food or maintain his body it is this sadhu who was forcibly feeding him some food so that his body continues for 6 months we don't know who is that for the divine dispensation that wandering sadhu came to dakshineshwar and he preserved for the good of the humanity the body of ramakrishna most probably he realized that there is a divine dispensation behind this spiritual personality for 6 months his body was sustained because of that sadhu and that sadhu will we will find nowhere mentioned again in the life of ramakrishna when ramakrishna again came down to this world of relativity because of some divine uh, commandment it was some divine directives that we will just discuss now that ramakrishna had to come back it was the will of the divine till then when his mind again comes down not exactly to the world of relativity what where it comes down in the words of ramakrishna he has mentioned it is a bhava mukha what's that bhava mukha is that we will try to understand in just few words that he came down as per the will of the divine mother in the world of relativity not exactly like us he was in the borderline between the world of this phenomenon and the nomenon and that's what the world of bhava mukha is when sri ramakrishna was remain was after remaining for 6 months in the transcendental state sri ramakrishna heard the divine mother speaking to him in bengali 
that's was the word tui bhav mukhe thak the words in bengali is tui bhav mukhe thak that remain in the state of bhavamukha now what is this bhavamukha in the spiritual history it is a wonderful thing that ramakrishna used to speak of the state of a vigyani the vigyana what is that that after going to the nirvikalpa samadhi the general notion was that if someone comes back from that state for him that it is as if considered as a fall from beatitude this world loses its importance for him it's just like a mirage the question of dealing with that world never comes he becomes totally detached from this world he considers that he has as if fallen from the beatitude but sri ramakrishna for the first time we find that in the spiritual history he is speaking of that state of vigyana where you need not think this world just as a mirage it's a mirage but interesting when if you can say how i can uh, see the mirage in two ways i can say the mirror is a projection it is not real it is just a projected reality that's the one way the other way i can see if there is mirage there must be the desert the mirage itself cannot stay by itself in our vedanta there are two words one is this alika and another is the uh, this adhyasa alika is imagination just like imagining a lotus in the sky it cannot be it is just a mere imagination but adhyasa is something which is not mere imagination i am seeing something wrong but some reality must be there which is appearing as what i am seeing so ramakrishna's approach was that that yes the world is a something a projection but it's a projection of what so once you give attention to that now you can deal with the world in a different way oh the lord has manifested himself in such a wonderful way ramakrishna in his life used to give the example of a a monk who appeared to be a madcap he was in dakshineshwar for some time he never used to talk to anyone always he will be smiling a wonderful smile was there in his face and he used to move around with a chandelier in his hand in the daytime he will never encounter with others only one thing he will do what's he what's the thing constantly is to do he will just go on rotating the chandelier so that the sunlight falls on it and there is the play of light and shade once the light falls on it there is a play of light and shade as he is moving he will just go on playing with the chandelier and allow the sunlight to fall on it and go on seeing the light and the play of light and shade he will have a wonderful smile and say oh how wonderful is lord's creation once that's the thing constantly is contemplating the lord is like the sun the ultimate reality is like the sun our mind is like the chandelier through which the sun's reflection falls and creates this wonderful game of light and shade this phenomenal existence this prapancha prapancha this word means prakrishta rupena pancha this world is nothing but the conglomeration of the five senses pancha is five our eyes our ears our smell our taste and our touch through these the mind is reflecting and creating this wonderful world of and this uh, name and form this wonderful story is there in uh, the buddha's life the story as i like i like like it very much is the story of one of his cousin buddha's cousin his name was aniruddha aniruddha was born with a divine uh, blessing what's the blessing was because of some past good karma he was blessed that if whatever material things he wants desires for it should be fulfilled it should be materialized immediately it should be fulfilled now this aniruddha as a small as a royal uh, uh, prince as a young boy was used to play with the other children so one day they were playing with the other royal children and now you know sometimes the children they devise so many games so one day they devise some game it's like something like uh, gambling it's not exact gambling what's it that they were playing that the uh, some game and in that whoever loses will have to 
give whatever was uh, decided as per the condition. So now Aniruddha started playing and he was losing. And now the children don't have any wealth, but as they will be spending throughout the day out, their mothers have provided them with their tiffin boxes. They all had tiffin boxes. So now Aniruddha was losing the game and one by one, as per the condition, he was giving away the loaves of bread, bread that he has brought. So in no time, he was so absorbed in the game and he was losing, he lost all the breads. Now his tiffin box was empty, but he was still in the mood of playing. So the servant who was accompanying him, he ordered the servant, go to my mother and bring another with this uh, tiffin box full of breads. So the servant went, he brought the breads. He again started playing, again he was losing. And now he was really hungry, but there's nothing to eat, all he has lost. So now he asked the servant again, please go to my mother, bring me the breads. Now this time when the servant goes, the mother understands something is wrong. My, my son may be hungry okay, for the steps. I gave him the second, uh, uh, this, uh, this provision for the second time. How can it be so hungry? It, it is not possible for a child to eat so much. So he understood some, something is going on. Something wrong is going on there. So now she told, she gave the empty tiffin box back to the servant and told, give it to my child and say, no bread. Enough of it. No bread. So now when the servant was returning back, now all the so-called the divine beings, the devas, they were, they were in a you know, challenge situation. Why? Because he is, Aniruddha has been born with a boon that no material thing he desires for it has to be fulfilled. Now, how can we that, that he just won't have the bread which he wants? So now all these the divinities, they somehow unknowingly, the servant doesn't know, fill the empty box with the delicious, this is the divine, divinely flavored, all the breads it was filled with. Now the servant, as was ordered by the murder, took the tiffin box and gave it to Aniruddha and told, no bread. This is for you. There's no bread. Aniruddha opened and he found that he never tasted such nice breads. He started eating and now he was really greedy. He finished. He closed the tiffin box, gave it to the servant and asked him, go back to my mother. Ask her to fill it with no breads. So for him, no bread is an entity. And that's what is happening with our senses. The conscious principle through the mind is projecting through the senses. When you see the red flower, the redness is not there. It is just a wavelength of light. And that also it doesn't reach your brain. It just ends in your eyes. After that, it is just a nerve impulses. That nerve impulse when reaches the so-called color perception center is projected out as redness. See, these Indriyas are called the Devas. Why? Because div, from Div Dhatu it came. That which illumines. See, it is these, the mind through the senses is illumining the world. What the world is, we don't know. And that's what he used to do with the chandelier. This world of phenomena, this propancha, is because of that Nirgur aspect of Brahman, finding expression through the mind and the senses, creating this world. And that's the thing which Ramakrishna is saying, this world is created. But who is beyond that, that reality is there. He is in eternal bliss to have created this wonderful device called mind and senses to enjoy his own creation. So this is the thing with which Ramakrishna is coming back. So he's always joyous. That's the thing we will find. Because after all, it's all divine play. All the happiness, the suffering, everything is divine play. That's why when someone asks Ramakrishna that you go on saying it's all divine play, but here we are dying. Ramakrishna's immediate reply was, who are you? It's all he. He has given you the sense of you and me. Otherwise, Leela Pushtai Hoyana, Rogor Hoyana. In Bengali, he's saying, means the game won't be interesting. If you think you alone are playing, can the game be interesting? You have to have a sense. There are so many personalities. When you're in the video games, you are alone playing, but there are so many personalities there. It is you as if we have projected all those personalities. This game cannot be with you alone. 
is a god is as if playing the video game he has projected so many personalities through which as in the video game someone is killed someone is uh, winning someone is killing but it is all the projection for whom for one someone who has projected that and is enjoying the game so all these so called things which are a matter of serious to us is just a matter of divine play and he is not sadistic because it is he who has projected who are you and me he has given the sense of you and me otherwise lila poshtai hoyna rogor hoyna there cannot be joy out of it this is the very very colloquial bengali terms ramakrishna is using and that's the bhavamukha in which he was established but this ramakrishna is the one who is totally transformed this is the ramakrishna is not that ramakrishna as a sadhaka who was totally oblivious of the world totally absorbed in his sadhana he gets transformed and it is this ramakrishna who comes back to meet the human kind is eager to meet human kind he finds that the company he needs the company of the human beings so that he can relate his realization the one who was totally averse to the human uh, what do you say this association is now is 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 he is seeking for it and he finds in dakshineshwar the the immediate those who are with him those all the priests the so called the temple staff you will find that they are worldly people that's why in naradiya bhakti sutra how nicely it has been mentioned that's even sometime a spiritually realized soul is with you he doesn't grow two horns just from external sign it is impossible to understand that we get deluded now it is even the spiritual leaders walk walk like this there you know they on the uh, on the stage on some just like the the models will be doing the cat walking they also do the cat walking and then you go and pray we are all deluded ramakrishna used to say a paramahamsa doesn't grow two horns its perspective has changed changed he looks like an ordinary being and naturally all the worldly minded people of the temple the temple staff the priests they never understood who he is but as we were mentioning the bees come when the flower blooms the real bees started coming and before that we find an interesting thing ramakrishna finding that as he cannot associate with the with all who are in dakshineshwar those worldly minded people but he has already got the direction from the divine to reach out to the human kind to reveal the wonderful revelations that he has he every day we find is going to the top of the temple on the terrace and crying out this crying out to the people of looking towards calcutta is crying out where are you all mother has told me that you will come where are you all he was so impatient please come i cannot leave without you and this is this is the ramakrishna which we love he is coming down as he used to say a story of avatar the three friends were passing through a street and they saw a very huge wall they were curious to know what's beyond the wall so they managed to get a ladder they placed the ladder on the wall the first among the three the first got up when he got on the top of the wall he was so ecstatic fully joyous the other two were asking what's that you see please relate but he was so overjoyed he even was so overwhelmed by his joy he couldn't relate he simply jumped to the other side now these two other two were curious the second one also got up he also made the same fate he also couldn't relate he was so joyous that he simply jumped to the other side the third one got up he also felt like jumping but see restrained why if i jump to the other side who will relate this mirth of joy just behind this wall who will relate this the world won't know it just out of sheer compassion restrained himself came down avatarana coming down from the ladder to relate his experience to the world and that's the ramakrishna whom we love this his cry from the top of the uh, this what you say <clears throat> on the uh, terrace of dakshineshwar temple we find reached the calcutta people started coming from calcutta to dakshineshwar and all sorts of people the pious the illiterate the literate the so called unholy person some there sometimes uh, grishchandra fully drunk 
actually was going, had a plan to go some, to some place of ill reputation. And suddenly while passing by the Dakshineshwar, by chance came to the Ramakrishna's room, had no plans. So that's how people started coming. We find that the, that the meeting of Ramakrishna with uh, Giri, uh, Girish is something so interesting. So the, somehow they uh, make their way, this, uh, this pious, the literate, the illiterate, atheists, men, women, everyone is thronging to Dakshineshwar. And not only that, in those days, the Brahma Samaj leader, the Keshav Chandra Shem, the prominent leader, he got attracted to Ramakrishna. He, along with the other Brahmo leaders, started visiting him. And not only that, they started writing about Ramakrishna in their journals. And that's how the entire Calcutta came to know about Ramakrishna Paramahamsa. And we find it as if a trekking have started of the people from Calcutta to Dakshineshwar, which is still going on. It is still going on. The trekking that started in the life of Ramakrishna is still going on, which <coughs> includes us, which also includes all of us that who are being attracted by that personality who came down to relate his experience. <coughs> so we find that though those who are coming to Ramakrishna, there are two groups. One is the householders who are already married, who are all middle-aged. So the, <coughs> there's the grihasthas. And very interesting, this so-called divine personality is the one who used to attract the young ones, the age group of from 14 to 20. They also started visiting this Paramahansa. These are the two groups which we find. Now, <clears throat> the, all the so-called householders used to come on the weekends because on the weekdays, naturally they were having their own duties. So it's only the weekend they used to come. And among them, one was Mahindranath Gupta, who is the author of the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. It is he who, along with the householder devotees, mainly used to come on the weekends. And that's why we find that one literature coming out is the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, which mainly deals with the householders' interaction with Ramakrishna on the weekends. But these young ones, we find not only on the weekend, they got so much inspired by Ramakrishna. They were so much drawn by his love. They even started staying with him. They used to come on the weekdays also, that uh, he, uh, Ramakrishna, uh, so this Master Mahasaya students, they started coming uh, uh, to Ramakrishna. Sometimes they will bunk school and come to Ramakrishna. That's why Master Mahasaya's nickname was Cheledhara Master, means the one who kidnaps the children and brings to Ramakrishna. So that's the nickname he got. And many that way we find these young ones, of uh, these teenagers, of 14 to 20, they are coming to Ramakrishna. And Ramakrishna's teachings we find is varied. As per the person, so his teaching. Because he is coming from that background where he has practiced all the religion. And that's why he used to pray in front of the devotees to the mother. Ma amai agghe Krishna. Ami roshe boshe thakte chai. That I don't want to be just biased. Please let my mouth expound all the varied truths as per the necessity of the mankind. He's like that mother who prepares five types of dishes for five different children. The same uh, vegetable or the same food can be prepared, can be spiced in different ways as per our test. And that's what Ramakrishna was doing. The same spiritual food he was delivering to his children, spies differently as per the test, as per our capacity. If sometimes uh, we are, uh, what do you say that uh, our power of digestion, we don't have strong power of digestion. Mother has to prepare some very mild soup. That's what he's doing. He's preparing the food for each and everyone as per his capability, as per his test. And that's how we find the devotees have started coming to Ramakrishna and those who came in the weekend, for them we find, it's not only for them, for of course for all, the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, but where we find there are chapters, may, this 
exclusively for the householders, advice to the householders, where we will find Ramakrishna is stressing again and again that we generally say that once you have entered the householder's life, it's almost impossible to think of spirituality. That, that our circumstances as if do not allow us. We say that we are after all householders. What can we do? Here we find Ramakrishna is constantly stressing what? That be in samsara, but don't become a samsari. This is the very interesting thing again and again in saying that be like the maidservant. The maidservant stays in the landlord's place. She says, whenever someone asks, she will say, yes, this is my house. Pointing to the landlord's son will say, it's my son. But in the bottom of her heart, she knows it is not her house. It's not her place. Her place is somewhere else. She's just taking care. She's just a caretaker. So with that type of attitude, live in this world. Be fully involved. Others won't, need not have to understand that you are spiritual. In this world, uh, what Ramakrishna told uh, is something very interesting. That shadhu hobe, shadhu shajbena. Shangshari shajbe, shangshari hobena. We do just the opposite. That be a holy man, don't pretend to be a holy man. And pretend to be a householder, don't be a householder. And that's what we just do the opposite of it. We pretend to be a holy person. We actually know that we are not that holy. Sometimes for we means most of us. That's the general trend. And we are totally absorbed in samsara. But we say, oh, no, no, that it doesn't matter me. So Ramakrishna is saying, just change the orientation. Don't become a householder. Pretend to be a householder. And don't uh, become... And don't pretend to be a holy man. Be a holy man. So this, that's a being a householder, you can spiritually evolve. As again and again he used to say, the spiritual evolution doesn't entail that you will grow two horns. You will look like an any other being, but your total perspective will change. The way you look at the world will change. You will transcend the so-called sufferings of life. The, as such, uh, the ways of life may not change. But I will transcend the dualities of life. And that's the real spirituality. For that, Ramakrishna is encouraging the devotees in many ways. He says that it is possible. It's not something which is not possible. Certainly you can realize him. See God. He can be realized by all. He used to say, Chada Mama, Shakoler Mama. When Holy Mother was very young, you know, she, she, that she came to Dakshineshwar. In simple words, Ramakrishna is saying, that the moon is everyone's uncle. But you know, this is a very uh, colloquial way of saying that as per my relations are con uh, concerned, my uncle is my uncle. It's not uncle to others. But when the mother points to the moon and says, it's your uncle, just it's a uh, uh, in a village uh, way the, the mothers generally say that it's your uncle. So it's the uncle of all. Even when the mother herself was a child, her mother also told it's the uncle. So she's the uncle of all. What's the meaning? That for God, that when you say my God, it doesn't mean he's not the God of others. He's everyone's, he's universal. He's everyone's God. If that's the fact, the stress, the, the, the demand which you have on him is same to anyone. If for a realized soul, for the one who is not realized, everyone has the same demand. Know how to demand. As Jesus used to say, knock and the door shall be opened. The knocking, we don't knock. It is bound to open if we have that urge. That urge is the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is stressing again and again. That you should have the yearning. He used to say that yearning is like the red hue of the dawn. Very interesting thing. That red hue, why it's the red hue of the dawn? In the dawn, when the sun is yet to be seen, but the entire sky is permeated with that red hue. Seeing that red hue, you know, it's just a matter of minutes, the sun will be visible. So that's why Ramakrishna used to say that yearning is like the red hue. If it has dawned in your life, know it for certain, wherever you are, whether in the as a householder or a sannyasi, wherever you are, in whatever state you may be, know it for certain, God realization is just a matter of a little time. It is just waiting for you.
So have that faith. Call on God. Yo, this God is everyone's God. He is bound to listen to you. How nicely he used to poetically used to say that if there is real earnestness in the bottom of your heart, you need not have to shout. Just silently. In the, uh, even the others, householders, they need not know. Sil- it can be a silent prayer coming from within. And he has to say very nicely that his ears are very sensitive. Bhagavan Khan Khorke. This word, even in Bengal, we don't use nowadays. In this very colloquial Bengali words. Rishwar Khan Khorke. It's very sensitive ears. Tini Pipre Pair Nupuri Shabdapurjanta Shuntepan. There's a very poetical way of saying that if an, a small ant is wearing an anklet, the noise it will make. It's almost inaudible. So he used to say that even that God can hear. So this is in simple words. He is making it a point that no, God is a palpable truth. It is not imagination. Even when you are sitting in front of a photo, know it for certain, God cannot be limited. He has the capacity to manifest himself in various ways. And he manifests especially as Archavataram. Arch, this is a term by Ramanujacharya, a wonderful term. That God out of compassion to his, his help of that humankind, to bless the humankind, takes a special manifestation in his images, in the forms. He's palpably, vibrantly present there, thriving. It's not a mere image. It's something Ramakrishna is stressing again and again. Never think God to be an image, God to be just a mere photo or just a statue. His spatially, his special uh, manifestation is there. Know him to be a living entity. Pray to him. He listens to your prayer. Know it for certain, with faith, with assertion. That's how he is encouraging the <coughs> samsaris. <coughs> Again, he's speaking of that how to live in this world. He used to say that it is so difficult to get rid of the Maya. He said, no, you need not get rid of Maya. There are two types of I, ripe I, unripe I. Kacha ami, paka ami. What is the unripe I, which says my house, my family, my wealth, my bank balance. That is the unripe I. But there's another I. Everything is God's. I am the caretaker. And then you do not have to grab. If it is God's, if I am the caretaker, I have to properly distribute it to all. And there my works ends without any expectation. That is the Vidya Maya. You would keep your eye, but as a caretaker, as just as a trustee, not as the owner. You don't own anything. You are just the caretaker, the trustee of it. So these, is the, these are the ways Ramakrishna is again and again instructing the household devotees that never say I and mine. It's all thou and thine. I and mine is Maya. Thou and thine is Daya. So this is the way we find Ramakrishna and has created a mirth of joy in Dakshineshwar. Because the belief is that it is the Lord who is playing through all of us. And thus we don't find any austere uh, attitude in Ramakrishna. Just to be in presence is, is as if in a mirth of joy. As Jesus used to say, that it's a like a wedding party. As long as I'm there, you know it for certain, it's a wedding party. That is when the God, son of son of God is there, avatar is there, he brings a mirth of joy because their perspective is totally different. And everyone who is there can palpably feel that this happiness, this joy is something which cannot be related to the worldly joy. That's why when we with our polluted mind try to relate to this type of joy, sometimes we do a big mistake. That's why it is being mentioned that never read the Bhagavata with impure mind. But the Gopililas, we don't understand. They're also that same mirth of joy, but there is no trace of worldliness. It's the pure ecstatic spiritual joy where a devotee in the form of the gopis is enjoying because of the communion with Krishna. And in the life of Ramakrishna, we find there's the same mirth of joy. You know, the Holy Mother, because in those days, the purda was the system of that purda, the woman folk never used to come in front in presence of others. Now, just near, she used to stay in the Nahabat, that's the next door of Ramakrishna. 
and such a mirth of joy. So kirtan, singing, divine bhajans going on. Ramakrishna at each and every moment going to samadhi while dancing. Suddenly he becomes still, goes to samadhi, faces full brimming with joy. But Holy Mother staying in Nahavat couldn't see that. So she and Ramakrishna's niece, Lakshmi Didi, they made a small hole in the curtain so that they can peep through it and see what the mirth of joy is going on. And Ramakrishna noticed that hole they have created is becoming bigger and bigger. And one day he joked, see that hole is becoming bigger. <laughs> Just to peep through that, to see that mirth of joy, to be in that is a blessing. You feel that every other joy is something trivial compared to that. Once you have tested something uh, more sublime, the all the gross happiness falls off automatically. And that's what Ramakrishna came for, to give us the joy, the happiness of something for which all the other joys are trivial. He never asked us to forcefully get rid of all of them. He just gave a test for a new thing. That's the thing. He gave us a test for such a new thing where the other tests become something very trivial. But at the same time, we will find that Ramakrishna, though he was encouraging the householder devotees to be merged in the divine, because for them it is almost impossible. But the young ones who were gathered, who gathered around him, as they had no worldly ties, this young pure soul, they started experiencing the tremendous divine absorption. And here Ramakrishna we find is some say teaching something different. He's discouraging them to be totally absorbed. Because he himself has been asked by the divine to remain in Bhava Mukha. And that's the thing he's instructing these young ones. When Naren experienced the Nirvikalpa Samadhi for the first time and Ramakrishna asked him, what do you want? Naren immediately told a very interesting thing. I want to be absorbed in this state. Now and then come down just to have a little food for my sustenance and again go into Samadhi. Immediately Ramakrishna reprimanded him, told, I never thought that you are so lowly. I thought you are like a banyan tree, that under your shade, so many will find shelter. And it is you who sing that jo kuch hai so tu hi hai. Isn't it you sing? There's a, there's a beautiful Hindi bhajan. Tujh se humne dil ko lagaya, jo kuch hai so tu hi hai. Ramakrishna was referring to that song, that, oh Lord, I have uh, totally devoted myself to you. But who is that you? Anything I see around with my eyes, anything I hear, anything I touch, it's you. Jo kuch hai so tu hi hai. It is you who sing and you want to be absorbed in Samadhi. See the Shiva in the Jiva. Go and serve them. It is bringing them, pulling them down from the Samadhi. Latu Maharaj, that Young, guileless boy who was totally illiterate in presence of Ramakrishna, he also started experiencing the tremendous divine, divine absorption. And one day Ramakrishna is going and just waking him up from his meditation and asking, the one whom you are meditating on is just kneading uh, the dough in Nahabat, means he, he was referring to Holy Mother. Sharada Devi was preparing food for the devotees. And he's telling the one whom we are meditating, he's needing the dough in the Nahabad, go and help her. So that's how we find that Ramakrishna is bringing them. This, this wonderful compassion is working. The householders who find it difficult to keep their mind engaged in the divinities, encouraging them, do for it. And these pure souls who in his presence were absorbed is bringing them down. And that's why we find this complete works of Swami Vivekananda. This Ramakrishna's grace, is as the master, as the guru, finds expression in two ways. One as the gospel, and another is the works of Ram, this Swami Vivekananda. It's, that's why Swamiji used to say, I'm the voice without form. It's not me. It's my master who is talking through me. I'm a voice without form. And that's how Ramakrishna is still as a guru preaching us. How he's preaching us? Why he's even now we find that Ramakrishna so-called not educated in the academic sense. He was not illiterate. If you say he's illiterate, he will do a big mistake because we have seen Ramakrishna's own handwriting. 
It's a wonderful handwriting. As a small child, he has a wonderful handwriting. It's still preserved. And as you know, it has it was a very childish way of uh, he used to uh, copy the uh, the so-called uh, the the our uh, Indian tradition is called the oral tradition. The truths of Vedanta is expressed through some stories, also the Purana stories. All those things Ramakrishna used to copy. And you know, there's a uh, practice in the olden ways. Whenever you write something, some spiritual uh, couplet, at the end, the author's own name will be there. That the like Kahata Kavir, the Kavir says. And as a small child, we find a very interesting thing. Ramakrishna, wherever that poet's name is there, he will read that and say, Ramakrishna Kahe. And that Ramakrishna says. From that, we came to know that Ramakrishna is the name. Not many say that Totapuri gave him that name after Sanyasa. It's not true. Actually, the name Ramakrishna he had from his childhood because his family was a devotee of Rama. And you will find everyone's name is with Rama. His father's name is Khudiram. His elder brother's name is, uh, name is Ram Kumar, Rameshwar. He is Ramakrishna. His sister's name is Ramshila. So Rama is something common so to all of them. So it's a name which he had, and he has erased that the author's name and Ramakrishna as a small child. He did all those plays. It's a wonderful handwriting. He was not illiterate, but what we mean to say is he was not educated in the academic sense. But we find a lot of research papers, great thinkers, teachers are proclaiming the Ramakrishna as a great master. So many writings are there. And that speaks of the first-rate teacher. You know who is the first-rate teacher? The teacher who, whose teachings his student says to his student, and that student again will be telling his to his student, and it goes on forever. It becomes a parampara. Ramakrishna has become a parampara, and it will, this parampara will continue till, in the words of Swami Vivekananda, till the world knows that it is one with God. You have to remember that in whatever form we may be praying that divine, worshipping the divine. After all, we are all worshipping the same divine. It's our earnest seeking for something which transcends this worldly existence full of defects. That's the yearning. The language may be different. The faiths may be different. That we all are seeking that. Until we know that, Ramakrishna is our guru. He is there to guide us till the world knows that the world is that that we are all one with the Lord, till the world knows that it is one with God. Till that, known, till that time, he is there, like the Dhruvatara, like the pole star, to guide us in this life of samsara. And this pole star is so far away, we cannot reach it, but it helps us to find our way in the ocean. It guides us that way. So Ramakrishna may be far, far off as far as spiritual realization is concerned. Maybe we cannot, we can never think of imitating that life. Impossible. But he can be our guide so that we can wade our way through this, this path of samsara. And for that, and this special occasion of the Guru Purnima, we pray to Ramakrishna that may he we our, continue to be our guide. Just hold us with our hand to that ultimate journey uh, for which we are all seeking. One of the, this just with the one incident in the life of Ramakrishna, we will end. One of his disciples, he was totally drunkard, Kalipada. And he had uh, no such faith in himself that he can mend himself. What he did, you know, one day Ramakrishna wanted to go to the other side of the Ganges. So, so he was going uh, down the Ganges and this Kalipada was taking him. Now he instructed the boatman something, whispered him. The, uh, Ramakrishna never knew. In the mid of the Ganges, he asked the boatman to stop and he told that we are not going to just uh, uh, go to the destination. In the mid of the Ganges, he almost insisted that you have to, you have to uh, just um, uh, assure me what that at the time of my de death, you will be holding my right hand with your left hand and you should be taking me. And Ramakrishna finding this madcap in the mid of the Ganges, at last he told, if mother wishes, that will happen. You know, this Kalipada, when he was in his deathbed, totally unconscious, just before his passing away, is a wonderful thing. 
his right hand was oppressed his right hand was oppressed ramakrishna as he was holding him to take him to the shores of, the, of immortality so that's what we all pray let him guide us to the shore of immortality so with this we stop our discussion today thank you all namaskars <laughs>